0: hello and welcome back to another episode of immigration law made easy i'm attorney hillary walsh owner and founder of new frontier immigration law i'm ready to rock and roll today with some of the top myths i hear about u visas so i've been doing u visas for about 13 years now and that makes me feel old but also like I've earned the I've earned the smile lines and I've earned the gray hairs um, from all the U-Visas that I've done over the years so I want to share some of the myths with you because I think a lot of people um, know about U-Visas but then the danger is you think we all think that we know everything about them because we've heard about U-Visas so much within the immigration community. So, for a quick frame of reference, a U visa is for someone who has been a victim of a violent crime here in the United States, and they've been helpful to the investigation, and that they would suffer. you know, that they've suffered some type of abuse or some type of hardship, some type of emotional experience because of what they, because of that crime that they were a victim of. So that's kind of in a nutshell. And I want to let you know that if you want, I have a really cool like infograph that breaks down each of the pieces of what I just described that are the basics of a U visa. I have a really cool infograph that gives even more information about like, what is a violent crime? Um, I know that it has to happen in the United States, but what about my family members? Can they come to the United States? Can I can I, you know, include them in my U Visa application? When and how can I include my spouse if I wasn't married at the time of my U Visa filing initially, but I'm married now. So I have a really cool infographic. Um, so you can um send us a message um at info at newfrontier.us, send us an email. And we will get that email to you for free. And I think it will be really valuable and helpful for you because it's something we use within our, within my law firm as training. And we also give it to our clients so they can kind of understand exactly what's going on because UBSIS can be complicated. But with that said, let's go over to what some of the myths are. So one of the things that is, you know, the requirements is you have to be helpful to the investigation. A lot of people think, well, what if the, I told the police about what happened to me, period. However, the police were unable to do any further investigation because I didn't know who this person was. And maybe they even investigated it, but they weren't able to catch the person and figure out who they were. Or what if they were able to catch the person, apprehend them, but they didn't end up prosecuting them? And for the answer for all of those different situations, whether they don't know the identity of the person, whether they figured out the identity of the person uh, but didn't investigate it any further for whatever reason, or maybe they they prosecuted them, or they they maybe they even prosecuted them, but they didn't um, convict that person. Like all those situations, the answer is the same if you've been a victim of violent crime in the United States and you were helpful to the investigation, there's no specific definition or regulation that says exactly what the rule is for helpful to the investigation. So if you're watching this on video, you see that I'm using the air quotes on what helpful to the investigation is. What is helpful? That's where we can really argue and advocate for you. And you should advocate for yourself if you were helpful to the investigation you you should assert exactly how you were helpful. The main way most people are helpful to the investigation where we know it checks the box is when they report it to the police. Now, whether the police are able to apprehend the person, whether they end up prosecuting them, all of those things are out of your hands. So helpful to the investigation simply means you made yourself available to the police that support is ongoing to the extent that the investigation is ongoing. So if, you, if they have further follow-up questions for you, they know how to get a hold of you. And you're willing to help if, if the police call you and say, hey, Attorney Hillary, I have more questions about the description of the car when it was driving away. Um, we think that you know we we need you to do some, identify you know uh, eyewitness identification of what the person looked like. Can we come over and you look at pictures of the car or pictures of the alleged perpetrator? Those are things that are helpful to the investigation. It doesn't matter for you Misa, purposes whether or not the police pursue the person, you know, the, the, the perpetrator of the crime. So it doesn't matter if they investigate it further. It doesn't matter if they don't know the identity. It doesn't matter if they don't catch the person. You just have to do your part. And this goes really back to, I really want to dial this in on why the U visa exists, because I think that will help you to really understand where I'm coming from. As I explain, all you have to do is, you know, be helpful to the investigation. So the U visa was created because Congress was aware and was made aware by lots of immigrant advocate groups and the police even of the reality that immigrants were being vic- were were victims of crime in the United States, but because they were so afraid that if they sought help from the police that the police were going to end up deporting them because they didn't they were undocumented immigrants and were here without permission. So what Congress said was, you know what? We are going to be a lawless, a lawless nation if we have people who are inside this country who are afraid to report crime. So what we're going to do is reward people. If you are brave enough to step forward, if, if we're so sorry you were a victim of violent crime here in the United States. But if you will be helpful to our investigation so that we can keep crime down in the United States of America, we will reward you by helping give you the opportunity to apply for a U visa, for a visa that puts you in status and on the path to a green card. So that's why really at the core of this is not that the police are able to do their job but they can't do their job if the person who's experiencing the crime doesn't alert them that it's going on. And so then this just creates a bigger and bigger and bigger problem where crime becomes a massive issue and the law of the country is not being followed. So that's why the U visa exists. And that's why the answer is always to the question of, hey, the police didn't catch the guy or, um, the police apprehended her, but they ended up not prosecuting her. So am I still eligible for a U visa? Well, if you check the other boxes for the, you've been helpful to the investigation. If the poli- if you've made a police report or sometimes people even go to, um, they go to court and they sit on the witness stand and they say, yes, that is the person who held a gun to my head and demanded that I give them money, armed robbery. Definitely a type of violent crime in the United States that my clients have been Unfortunately commonly victims of and have been able to get U visas through so To the extent that you think hey, they didn't catch the bad guy Don't worry about that part if you've been helpful to the investigation. Okay Let's say that you were helpful to the investigation. The next myth is you know, I'm afraid to get the police report like I I don't really want to go back into the place where um, you know These are law enforcement officers, and I feel very uncomfortable going in and asking for the police report, but you need it in order, you know, to file for a U visa. So this is a very common thing. Lots of people will come to us, and you may be in this situation yourself with your mom or your dad, maybe a sibling. Maybe it's you yourself. And you say, I was a victim of violent crime. This was several years ago. I talked to the police, but I really don't want to go walk into a police station. Um, I'll tell you a funny story to kind of, to, to do my best to relate to this situation. Yesterday, as an attorney, you know, I'm always making sure that I am acting in, in running my law firm in an ethical way. So yesterday I called and had a meeting with the State Bar of Arizona because I wanted to go over step-by-step what I'm doing in my law firm to make sure that I'm doing everything correctly. And I told them, I said, I feel like I'm coming in and talking to the cops because they're the people who can take my license away if I'm doing something wrong. So I was very nervous and I really wish that I, you know, could have avoided having to do that. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do. And they told me everything I was doing was correct. So we are awesome and set and ethical. And I'm very proud of that. But within that same vein, when you have to, as an undocumented immigrant, walk into a police station, you feel a little, uh, on guard, like it's just part of it. So one of the things you can do is, cause you need that, you need that police report to get step one, which is certification of the U visa. Um, so you've got to have the police report. So what do we do? There are lots of ways to request the police reports online so you don't even have to go in. Okay. So that would be step one. So you don't have to go in. If you're not tech savvy, I feel you. I'm not always super tech savvy myself. You can have a representative go in and pick up the police report for you. So you would just need to get the form from the specific police department if they don't release them online. You can hire someone like a um, private investigator to go pick up the report for you on your behalf, or you can designate another representative to go on your behalf and pick up the police report. That's something that we do at my firm at New Frontier Immigration Law is we never ask clients unless they're out of state and we just have absolutely no way physically possible of getting that police report ourselves. We um, usually go to the police. I mean, like three times a week, we are in every single police department here in Arizona. And we also have uh, a big presence in um, Oklahoma and Kansas as well, so that we're able to go in on your behalf to be able to pick up your police report for you. So you can keep doing the things you need to do, working, being with your family, taking care of you while we're helping take care of your case for you and getting um, that aspect kind of out of the way. If again, if you're not able to do that, like hire an, uh, you don't want to hire a lawyer for whatever reason, you can absolutely, usually have a representative go get it for you. If you have minor children involved, um, that's where you're really going to need someone like a private investigator or or an attorney if you want a third party to be involved, because they're not going to release a police report with minor children. Um, their information listed within that police report. They're going to be really protective of that for obvious reasons. So, if you do have a concern about getting your police report, there are lots of workarounds that are still serving of exactly what you need. Okay. Another big fear is that people have is, hey, if I file for this U visa and then it's denied, or am I going to get a, am I going to get a letter in the mail saying it's time that the government is now going to try to deport me? And I think it's a really, this is a very common concern. It's very, very normal for you to feel that way. What I want to share with you is that in my, you know, decade plus of experience, number one, I've never had a U visa denied. So, you know, you look at the statistics, this isn't just my firm, it's actually statistically most U visas are approved. The vast majority, in fact, are approved. So that should kind of give you some peace of mind. And the reason that most of these are approved is because it's a two-part process. First, you get a certification from a law enforcement agency saying that you were helpful to the investigation. And they kind of, I think it's improperly, but they kind of screen out and they won't sign often. Um, for types of crimes that don't qualify for a U visa, so if you don't get past step one, you don't collect two hundred dollars, you don't pass go, and so that kind of weeds out some of the air quote weaker immigration cases for you at, for U visas. And then the next step is you have to show that you've experienced, ex, you know, like basically substantial abuse that you like you really suffered because of this experience. So once you go through that process, we usually have a psychologist involved and, you know, lots of people who are really qualified to be able to support. And then if for some reason you haven't submitted that, the government will usually send you what's called a request for evidence, pointing you in the direction of these are the additional pieces of proof that we need as the government in order to approve your U visa. If you want us to approve this, you need to provide this additional evidence. And so again, you have another opportunity to see exactly what it is that the government wants you to provide, and then you provide them. And that is why so many U visas are approved. Um, It varies from year to year, but you can Google U visa fiscal year 2021, and you can see what the approval rate is. And you can see that historically as well. Look up 2020 and 2019, and you can see that historically the majority of U visas are approved. And I say that with like the, the context, let me compare and contrast for you because asylum cases historically are the vast majority are denied? Forty-two B special, like uh, cancellation of removal, those cases are historically like the vast majority are denied. Like ten percent of cases are approved, which means ninety percent of cases are denied. On the flip side of that is U-Visas are the vast majority are approved and only very few are denied. And most of them, in my experience, when people come in and they've had a U-Visa denial, it's never been my client that's got the denial, but lots of people will come in after they get the denial. They're like, oh my gosh, I waited five years for this and now I just got this denial. It's usually because they didn't respond to the request for evidence. Like they moved and they didn't update USCIS, so then USCIS sent the um, request for evidence to their old address and that bounced and got returned to USCIS. And so they had no choice but to deny it. And then we work to try to revive basically like, you know, in the movies or I guess for doctors in real life where you're like rubbing the two things together and you say clear and like you try to electrocute someone back to life. <laughs> Defibrillator, I think is what it's called. Like we can try to do that even when cases have been denied for those types of reasons. But man, that's, it's hard to bring a case back from the dead sometimes, but those are usually the reasons that those are denied. And with that said, if you are one of the very, very, very small number of people who get a denial on a U visa right now, the government's emphasis is not on putting you into removal proceedings, unless you have a significant criminal history. So if you have a whole bunch of DUIs, I would be there. That's where as an attorney I like look at this case and say, if God forbid this were denied, what's my backup plan for this guy or this gal, for this client of mine? So that I make sure not to put them in a, you know, it's kind of like when you play pool. I'm not good at pool. So I've never been able to think strategically. But when you when you do, when you apparently when you're good at playing pool, when you hit the balls, you're trying to think of not only which You know, I'm going to hit the white ball and it's going to knock the other ball into this specific pocket. But where are all the other balls going to go so that I can then tee them up nicely to be able to sink those in the pockets as well? And as a representative for yourself, as um, an immigration lawyer who might be listening to this, and definitely as this immigration lawyer, I'm always thinking, if I knock this into the pocket or if I miss the pocket, let's say it's denied, where are all the other balls on the table going to be? Because I want to make sure that I have the next shot nicely teed up so that you are set up for success. So I want to give you some peace of mind in knowing that statistically speaking, U visas not denied on on a massive scale like we see with other things like asylum and 42B cancellation of removal. And then even within that, those that are denied are often because of failure to respond to requests for evidence. And then even after that, the number of people who get notices to appear, letters in, in the mail saying, hey, I, I, the government wants to deport you. You need to show up and defend yourself. Even those are the, we just get down to such a small number that if you got that fear in your heart, I think sometimes fear is a really good guide. Meet with an experienced lawyer. You can contact us. You can contact lots and lots of people all over the United States. Do U visas. Lots of nonprofits do U visas. And you can ask them, What do you think are the odds of my success here with this specific U visa and perhaps my criminal history? And then you can say, Hey, fear, I hear you. I've now looked you in the eyes and I see that. You are actually not real, or you are very real, and I'm not going to file because I have this fear, and I think that it is well founded. Okay. A lot. The next, the next um, myth or uh, common question that we get within the realm of U visas is, what if I was not the direct victim? You know, what if I was in the car when the driver had a gun held to his head or her head, and was you know robbed. What if I watched that and I was held in the car, uh, but the gun was not held to my head? I like, I could not leave the car, for example. And the thing I want to share with you is that U visas are not just for people who are the direct victim of the crime, okay? So if you were an indirect victim, like you, you were a bystander who watched something happen, like the example of, I just gave, or if your child God forbid, was the victim of a crime. And you were the, as the parent, indirectly suffered because of this. And you were helpful to the investigation, even though you were not, let's say, the, the victim of your child being molested, um, you know, or or something really like stalking or um, threats like um, threats at school that go beyond bullying, not, you know, bullying is terrible, But threats where like kids these days can say some pretty nasty things, you know, you report that to the police and they investigate or don't investigate, you can be an indirect victim or derivative even of the initial, like the direct victim's experience and their visa. So you have it where I can apply as the, the parent or the child or the spouse of a direct victim, And then conversely, additionally, you can just be someone who was indirectly a victim. So how I would imagine this is, you know, when you are, let's think about summer, love summer, especially here in Phoenix where it's super duper hot, you always have water involved. So if I am squirting you with the hose, I'm squirting you with the hose and there's a whole bunch of water that splashes over to the person standing next to you. That's when we think of being an indirect recipient of, you know, getting sprayed by the hose and the circumstance. But I, I think that that helps illustrate, I don't have to be the one who was getting squirted with the hose. I can be next to it and get the splash of it and I'm still getting wet. Similarly with a U visa, you can be... Observing or next to, or somehow still impacted because you observed the crime happening, but you only got splashed, you weren't the one who got directly impacted. That indirect aspect um, can qualify you for a U visa as well. So, I want the purpose here is I want you to think broadly like, why did Congress create the U visa? And it wasn't just so that the one person Who was the direct victim of the crime would report it. It was so that we could get as many people as possible to help report crime in the United States so that officers can investigate it, catch the bad guy, the Justice Department can prosecute the bad guy, and if necessary, punish. Okay. So think about like let's broaden like the U Visa is such an amazing tool for the immigrant community who's way too often victimized, like disproportionately victimized here in this amazing country. And that is not okay. So what I want to do, and I think you can tell I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little, uh, ramped up here is I want to broaden your view and the way you think about the U visa, because it's not just for individual people who've experienced one specific type of crime. Too many people talk about the U visa and domestic violence. I mean, that is absolutely a very clear-cut U visa. Like, if you are hit by your spouse, that's domestic violence, that's um, assault or battery, possibly both, Um, and A, it's not okay, and B, if you report it to the police or you, you know, even even if you're going to family court and seeking a protective order and those types of things, those in your state might be enough to also help you with the U visa. That's clear-cut. U visas are so broad. So it's really important that if you think it smells like a U visa, it might be a U visa. And if you think, hey, I was standing next to uh, the person when they were getting squirted with the hose, I got a little wet. I want to know if I qualify for a U visa. Because guess what? If you qualify for the U visa, then your kid in your home country, you can petition for him or her or your husband or wife, even if it's, um like a, uh I man, what is the word in Spanish, but like basically like a free union, you guys can get legally married. Um, and then you can petition for him or her, even if they're not in the country. So, and then they're able to enter the country when the U visa is approved it really is an amazing opportunity. I love U visas. I, I want to be like Oprah, like the Oprah meme where it's like, Actually, I really wish that U visas weren't necessary because it sucks that you've been a victim of crime. But if you have been, I want to be like Oprah and be like, you get a U visa, you get a U visa, you get a U visa, okay? The last myth I want to address is just a common myth that's across the board where people think, you know, the U visa takes so long. It's like a five-year wait. That's true. The reason it's a five-year wait is because there's a cap on the number of U visas that can be granted every year, not necessarily approved but granted every year and so there's a very long wait because congress has too few allotments for u visas and more people that want the, that qualify and are in the queue and and are applying than the number that they can give away every year so the the wait just gets longer and longer and longer my hope and what i'm advocating for is that congress will raise the um quota. They will raise the number of uh, U visas that they can give away so that more people can go ahead and uh, legalize their status through the U visa. But just because the wait is long doesn't mean that you shouldn't get in the line. All good things, the very, very best things take a little time. Like, you, you know, my kids are like the greatest blessing in my life. It took a long time for me to have my kids. It took me eight years to initially get pregnant. Like, that's a really long wait. I almost gave up. And then once you are pregnant, you're basically pregnant for like a year. That's crazy to create this thing. So yes, the U visa is a long wait and the separation from your family is a long time. But the reality is, is you're going to be waiting anyway. So you might as well get in the line, get in the line, have it there. And I urge you to do this because if you do have a U visa pending, if God forbid you are um, apprehended by ICE, you're picked up by ICE and let's say you're put in a detention center or you're put into removal proceedings, having a U visa pending is like the best way to help, to help slow down the very fast moving machine of the government trying to deport you. So just because you're not in, you're not actively in detention, and I don't want you to be. I hope that you never see the inside of a detention center. I hope you never know what it's like to talk to an immigration judge. That's my hope for you. But the way that you act in faith, the way that you say, hey life, I'm going to prepare for the worst and expect the best, is by doing your part. And your part is to say, I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and pretend this isn't going to happen. I'm not going to just... I'm, I'm not going to just ignore this as a possibility. Instead, I'm going to plan for it so that if it does happen, it's not going to be as detrimental to me as it could be. Okay. You visas are awesome. You are awesome. If you have any questions, let me know. Email info at newfrontier.us so that we can. At info at new not com. So if you want our really cool infograph, we can send it to you and then you can have that. So you would know even more about U visas. And if this has been helpful to you, please share it with a friend because the only way that we can help my mission and my mission in life. And the whole reason we're doing this podcast is because I want to help a million people get their papers. The only way we can do that, my friend, is if you share this with a friend. So share it. I appreciate you. You're awesome. And I hope you have a great day. My friend, I'm so glad you joined me today. If you have a friend or family member who may need some immigration law guidance or even just day-to-day encouragement, please send them a text or email or a DM on social media and say, hey, I think this podcast is going to help you. I sure wish someone had given me the tips I'm sharing here years and years ago when I was starting out as an immigration lawyer. Thank you so much for being here. I'll see you next week, same time, same place. Adios.